Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. This week on the podcast, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Latoya, and I absolutely enjoyed our conversation. It was funny to hear how she actually found God and how she came to listen to God because it's a hilarious story, and I know you guys are going to laugh at this. But before I tell you what her story is, I'm going to give Latoya a chance to tell her own story through our interview. So without further ado, here is the interview that I did with Latoya. Hello, Latoya. How are you doing today? I'm blessed. How are you, my friend? I am doing great. I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. I am super excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm I'm ecstatic to be here. Okay, so I'm going to start off with a question I ask everybody. What was your childhood like? Oh, it was um, interesting. Okay. Um, I grew up um, in a single-parent home with a mother that was a dynamic woman. And my grandparents were my village as well as my uncles. And um, basically, I was fostered that way. And they loved me and they poured into me. And I, it just had a great community of love that I've always felt by my aunts and uncles and my mother. And my grandparents as well. That is awesome. So during your childhood, do you remember God being a part of your life? Or did you guys go to church or do anything like that? Well, it's funny that you should mention that. Um, my grandmother always talked about God, um, you know, and she gave me one of those little uh, New Testament Bibles because I used to have nightmares. And she used to say to me, call on the name of Jesus and sleep with the Bible under your pillow. So I used to take that little um, New Testament um, Bible and put it under my pillow and Believe it or not, it did work. You know, it's about faith. Mm-hmm. So it worked. And so um, that was that. And my grandfather, my pop-pop, his sister was in the Church of God in Christ, Pentecostal denomination that, you know, frequents a lot of people, brown people. And so I went to church with her. And that's when I seen that activation and the working of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. So what was one thing that kind of resonated with you, even as a child, about God? I would say the one thing that resonated with me is that I was protected. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing that really, like, I knew um, that if I if I had a relationship with him, if I needed him, he was ever present. That's awesome. And I guess I was reinforced because of the fact that when you had nightmares, you put the Bible under your pillow yes. and everything, you knew that everything was going to be okay because you had the Bible with you. So how... Did that go over when you started to go into your teenage years? What happened there? Did you still 
kind of still go to church and kind of feel protected by God? Or did things change? Like what happened with you in your adolescence? Well, what happened is that we moved from the town where my aunt, my great aunt, my pop-pop sister lived because we all lived in the same town. And so when we moved, um, we moved with my godparents. And so there were not people of faith. They were wonderful people, but they wasn't people of faith. So going to church kind of diminished. And so um, what ended up happening is later on in my teen years, um, I've always wanted to be a singer. And I, I always admire how the singers in church were so powerful and dynamic. And I had said that to my mother. So she had me audition for um, the choir in the parking lot of a church because that was my mother. And um, I actually ended up uh, becoming a part of that uh, choir. Phenomenal people. They, you know, nurtured me. They looked after me. We went and did outside stuff together, roller skating. It was just really a nice community. That is amazing. And so did you get a chance to do any solos or anything like that in the choir? Um, well, actually, it's funny because, you know, in every black choir, it's always, you know, drama. Um, yeah. Truth is drama. So it was this one girl, she was the choir director's sister. So it seemed like every daggone time it was time for me to do my solo, she would come busting in the door like the lady from The Color Purple and start singing. So I never actually got a chance to do my solo, but I did sing with the group. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that because that must have been really frustrating. <laughs> it was practice. very frustrating. I was so sick of Sugar Avery. <laughs> so as you got older did you see yourself getting closer to God or further away from God um well my early 20s um into mid-20s I was like everybody else I was young on the party on myself living you know was in the world always had a reverence for God always had a respect for him and a love for him but not really fulfilling the word and walking out and I wasn't, I hadn't come to salvation. Even when I was in the church, they never let me through the, um, the prayer of, you know, uh, the repentance prayer, the sinner's prayer. I think they just knew that I loved the Lord and it wasn't really necessary. You know what I mean? So tell me a little bit more about your twenties and you said you weren't really in the church, you're living life, doing your own thing. So what was that like? What did that look like for you? Oh, that was a lot of fun. I tell people all the time, I don't have a miserable testimony. (laughs) I don't, I don't have one of those, Oh God, this terrible. No, I don't have a miserable testimony. You know, um, because I'm the oldest of four, I think there was this time that season was a little bit of rebellious because I had to be so responsible. So I'm grown and I can have fun and go out to the clubs and hang out with people. And I've always been a people person. But the one thing that was, you know, a common thread is no matter where I was, people would come up to me and tell me their personal problems or or just tell me things. And I'm like, why are they telling me this stuff? This is personal. Or they would ask my advice and, you know, and that's when I started realizing that God has one of the gifts that he had put in me was the gift of wisdom. Right. No, I totally get that because I know that when I was, when I got into my early twenties, going to college and stuff, that's kind of where I had my rebellious stage too, because first, even though I was still in my mom at the time, I was an adult and things were just different. And I kind of never wanted to do anything when I was in my teen years, but then as I had more freedom, I was like, oh, let me try this. So let me try that. And for me, it's like, even the thing that kept getting me was like, every time I go somewhere and trying to do my own thing, it seemed like someone was always there to talk about God or Christian music would be played at a club I happened to be at. So it just seemed like it was always showing up. And so that was one of the things that kept me grounded. Like, oh, okay. So maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should probably try to do something different. And then I always say, I think for me, logic was the thing because I grew up in South Carolina so they would have these small clubs where it was like one way in one way out and I remember one day I was there I was dancing and I was just like 
if there's a fire, like we're all gonna go down because right. it's so packed. There's only one way in, one way out. Like we're gonna get trampled. And then after that, that's when I started thinking twice about the club scene. I'm just like, it's not a safe environment. <laughs> it's not a good place to be. So for me, it was always just logic that just got to me. Like, are you sure you wanna do this? So I totally understand where you're coming from because you say you've always been responsible. And even though you try to, not even shirk responsibility, just do things other kids did at your age, it was probably difficult because people could probably still see in you that she's the responsible one. She's the one we can yes. talk to. <laughs> they probably still trusted you because they could see that and came to you with all their issues and stuff. So, yes, I mean, it was like that. I mean, grown people would come to me with stuff. And my mother used to get so aggravated. She's like, why are these grown people, you know, pulling on you? And I didn't understand at the time. I just thought that I was just, you know, giving out advice or saying something. I mean, because I've always, you know, had a closer relationship with older people because of my relationship with my grandparents and my aunts and uncles were more like older siblings than aunts and uncles. Right. You know, and they still are. And so with that, you had to, you were always mindful in my family of legacy. My grandparents was really big about that. Mm -hmm. So with that, um, when they would have the family meetings, I would be right there sitting beside my grandmother soaking it up because she used to tell me, when I'm not here, you'll be the matriarch. So that kind of thing. Yeah. So what was it that kind of made you start thinking about God again? And not just like, well, I'll just ask this question. What was it then that kind of made you start thinking about God and maybe what you used to do when you were younger um it's a funny story how I came to salvation I had this dog named Miles and I didn't have any children and thought that I could never have any so this dog was everything to me and so Miles got lost one winter he ran out the house so my grandmother used to say it's better for you not to make a vow to God and break it than to make, you know, don't make one. If you make a vow to God in Leviticus, do not break it, you know? Yeah. So I was so desperate because I always had a sense that God was the source of making everything possible. Right. So I was so desperate. And so I said to the Lord in the shuffle, Lord, okay, you've been bugging me. If you let me find my dog, I'll get saved. So, uh, lo and behold, I called the shelter and found my dog 10 minutes later. So I was like, oh man, now I got to go get saved. This sucks. So I went to church maybe two months afterward and I gave my life to Christ. And that's how I came to the Lord, my dog. That's hilarious. Now you mentioned something I find interesting. You said that you felt like God had been like bugging you, trying to get your attention. In what ways did you feel him trying to get your attention before the incident with your dog? Well, it would be circumstances. Um, one particular night, I remember I was in a car with some friends and we were smoking weed, you know, mm-hmm. which was never really my thing. Right. I was more of a drinker. That wasn't my thing. And so um, we were sitting there and all of a sudden it was a bunch of fog and we could not see. And we were sitting in the intersection intersection of a street. And when we were sitting there, they used to tease me because they used to say that I had spider senses like Spider-Man. Like I knew something was going to happen because the gift of revelation knowledge that's on my life. And so they was like, what do you, they used to call me, my name is Teresa, but they used to call me Arresta Professor because they said I, I, I knew everything. I was a professor. So I'm like, okay. So they said, what do you think we should do? And I'm like, I don't know. They said, which way we should go? It was so foggy. So we sit in there and all of a sudden, I know it was nothing but the Holy Spirit. I was like, reverse, put the car in reverse, back up, back up, back up. But like, it was like a, such an urgency on my heart. Yeah. We backed up, I want to say maybe 
two to a minute later, maybe about a minute later, a, a freight train came. <gasps> God be my witness. Wow. So y'all were like sitting on a train track. Right. There was no bells. There was no gate. We couldn't see anything because it was so foggy. Right. And we were right in the middle. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, it was like, it was such a burn. I was like, back up, back up, back up, back up. And because I was in such um, like a panic and they they knew to trust my spider senses because I've never wrong with my spider senses, we backed up and we didn't subsequently get hit by the train. That is, wow, that is a blessing. That's amazing how that happened. So it was things like that. It was things like being removed from harm's way. And like I said, if God is doing this, he has a purpose. Absolutely. So, okay, I'm going to, I'll give it sooner or later. I'll give it when I'm 26. I'll give it when I'm later on. So God was, salvation to me was a retirement plan. It was not something I wanted to be, as they said, the military active duty, not at all. (laughs) So once you gave your life over to God and you're like, okay, fine, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go with my promise or with everything. How did that work out? Like, I mean, how did you evolve? How did that happen for you? Oh, I hated it. And I was, I'm, see, people won't be honest. I absolutely hated it. I was like, I can't do nothing. Can't go nowhere. I wanted to just sit in the house. Yeah. And I would come to church. I was the reluctant servant. You know, my pastor used to say, I was like Gillian. <laughs> or Jonah for that matter, you know? So I would just go. I'm like, I'm already saved. I might as well go to church. Just seems like a pretty decent one, you know? Yeah. And after time, something triggered in my spirit. I was like, that kind of makes sense because I'm a practical person. Mm -hmm. So the application of the word and seeing the demonstration of the word fulfilled and the power of the word, that's what changed and cultivated my heart. Wow. And see, I like the story because, you know, some people make it sound like they came to God, was happily ever after. But by your own admission, you're like, no, no, that wasn't it. I absolutely hated it. And people will say that they hated it at first. So, you know, if they did or whatever, but I'm glad you're honest and you're like, I hated it, but as time went on, you begin to see how it made sense. And I think the thing that I find amazing is that even though you may have not have liked it at first, some people would have given up and be like, you know what, I'm just done. But you're just like, nope, I said, gave God my word. I made a promise. I'm going to do this. And you stuck with it, even when it was hard, even when you didn't want to do it, you stuck with it. And I think that is something that says a lot about how you were probably raised and how your grandmother was like, you make a promise to God, you need to Don't keep work. it. I used to know where it said in Leviticus. I forgot now, but it's, it was straight in Leviticus. And you know what? Um, the thing is, I feared God, but a fear of reverence, a relationship fear, like with a parent. Right. You know, and, and so with that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to get in trouble with God, you know? So I'm going to go. And, I, I, and then I met some nice people there. And they were wonderful. And um, not only were they wonderful, um, they were helping me mm-hmm. and I, I began to unpack some issues that I was dealing with in life. And so it became a place of healing. Wow. What were some of those issues that you were dealing with in your life at that time? Self-esteem. Okay. You know, um, I come from a, a family with, and I'm not saying this in a bragging way, but a very good looking people. Yeah. And so, um, I never felt as though I was pretty right. like one. So when I start seeing that God viewed me in a different way and that I was fearfully and wonderfully made, it wasn't about the world's demonstration or definition of pretty. 
I wasn't pretty. I was beautiful, beautifully broken, you know? So that was the difference right there. Beautifully broken. I, I wasn't like, I didn't have to look like my cousins that had 36, 28, you know, whatever they had it going on. It wasn't about that. And, um, it just taught me value for myself. So during those times of processing, God began to show me through his word, what his standard of beauty was. And that's what the, that's what the change came about. And then I start loving myself. And then when I could see myself through his loving eyes, I could appreciate that I was beautiful. I love that. Because so many times, like you said, we do try to think about beauty as maybe the world see it or people's opinion. But when we just stop and think about it, like God made us, he made us this way. He made us to look this way for a reason and be able to do certain things for a reason. And we can see ourselves as God sees us. And I think that's the whole thing. Like, when it comes to having a relationship with God, I think it's about having a relationship with God and beginning to see yourself as he sees you so that you will know that you are valued and that you have value to God. And when you have, when you feel like you're valuable, it just changes the way you look at life, the way you look at things. It just changes the whole dynamic. Absolutely. So at this point in your relationship with God, when did you realize it was more about having a relationship with God more so than just following rules. Because um, I know sometimes, and this may maybe at that point you had that relationship with God and you figured it out all at once. But I know some people have a hard time figuring it out. You know, we start off going to church and doing this, doing that. And then later on, it usually transitions to, okay, so it's about having a relationship with God. It's about talking to him. It's about getting to know him. So did that happen for you all at once or did it happen to, for you in two separate occasions? Um, I would say a little bit of both. Okay. Um, he began to speak to me through his word. Mm-hmm. I had came out of a horribly um, verbal, emotional, abusive relationship. Right. And when um, at this stage, because now I'm 20, I'm in my twenties at this point, you know, and what happened was, you know, I've always had a village of protectors. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I say to anybody out there that's listening, is that's, that's needed. You need yeah. that. You need people that you know, not an entourage, but a village of protectors. And so when the guy subsequently hurt me by, you know, running off cheating with someone else, my um my closest friend is like a brother to me, um, Stephen, he was like, We're gonna go get him. And they wanted to, you know, rough him up. And I said, I don't know. Let me just think about it. And God brought me to Psalm, I mean not Psalms, um Samuel, first Samuel, the book of first Samuel. And I began to go through the pages and it was like a story so I could follow along. And I had an NIV because I, I want to encourage people that if you don't read your Bible because you don't understand it, it's because, you know, it's a Eastern Bible in a Western world. And on top of that is written in Elizabethan because, you know, King James summons for it to be written. So that's old, you know, English. So we wouldn't understand it. So get an NIV. So it's something that you could really soak up and observe because you can't understand something or apply it. You're not going to use it. Okay. So what happened was I ended up um, reading First Samuel and it was about when Saul wanted to kill David and David never laid hands on him. And he said, touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. And he had uh, um, opportunity after opportunity and showed Saul what he could have taken his life, but he didn't do it because he was God's anointed. So that spoke to me through those, those words, the, the word became real. And I said to my friend, I said, we're not going to touch him. So he says, what do you mean? I don't want y'all to revenge anything for me. 
I don't want that. God is my source and vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I said the best revenge I could possibly have is to have success and he be able to see it. So that's how the Bible became. He started talking to me through the Bible. And then in 1 Samuel, it talks about um, Samuel when he was a boy and the Lord started speaking to him. And I could reference that because um, I remember as a child, I would just like have these impressions, spiritual impressions of what to do, what not to do. I didn't realize that it was the Holy Spirit speaking in that spider senses that I had. So it was able to take, you know, an experience and have a word, you know, um, unlock that experience and be illuminated where I can understand it's not spider senses, it's a spiritual gift. So that's how God began to speak to me through a word, just through the word. That's how it started. And then with the relationship piece of it, I seen David's relationship and how much he loved Saul. And I thought about how God loves humanity, no matter what we do, and that we always can be reconciled back to him. That's the point of Christ. So that's how it happened for me. I like that. And I like how you say it's through reading the Bible and you begin to see ways how it can be applied to everyday life and that you're able to see that, though, because you got a different translation. And I think that is awesome because so many people I know when I was younger, I was just told King James Version is the one to stick with. But I now read the NLT version because for me, I can read it. I understand it. And it's like I see things that I didn't see before. You know, I keep thinking about all those Bible verses and things that I read and it's like I go back over it and I read it in the NLT Bible. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this is what it's saying. I get it. So I just think it's awesome that you said, find a Bible that you can understand, a translation that speaks to you. And then you can study the Bible from there. Because you're right. Like once you start reading the Bible in a way that you can understand, it's amazing the things you'll think of or the questions you'll start to ask because you understand what you're reading. You understand what it's talking about. Because I remember reading, um, and I read this before, how like when Jesus was going to like the Last Supper or whatever, but he told them all the things that he wanted them to do and all the things that would happen to get the room prepared for him to go to do the Last Supper. And I read it in the NLT Bible, and for the first time, it made sense. I was just like, wow, so God knew all this stuff was going to happen in advance. So that's why he could tell them what to look for, what to say, because he already knew. And it just made me think about how no matter what we're dealing (laughs) with or any problems that we may have, God already knows in advance what's going to happen, what the outcome is. And so we just need to trust him and listen to what he tells us to do. So I absolutely love that you were able to take what you read and apply it to that situation. And I think the best place to start reading the Bible is the book of Genesis, because that's going to explain a lot to you. And then skip over the Old Testament and read the New Testament, the Gospels. That's going to be something that you can understand. Then read Paul's stuff. Then you can go back to New Testament, I mean, the Old Testament, because you can see the foreshadow of what he was saying and be able to compare it. But the Gospels are very easy. They're very readable. They're easy. Paul is very readable. Genesis is reader friendly as well. So before you do all, you know, the the Isaiah's and Ezekiel's and you don't understand these metaphors, you're you're not going to get it, you know, so I think that's really important. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to someone who is actively looking for God? Wow. Um, I think that the best thing to do is allow time for him. You know, we plan our day, plan our time with God. 
So if I'm actively looking, seeking God, I'm actively, it's like a pursuit of a, a woman or a man. You're going to talk to him. You know, you read the word and you get around other sound believers. Stick to the basics. And that's what I would tell anyone just to find a good church or good Bible believing church. And sometimes maybe a church that's outside your culture, that's just teaching precept upon precept, line upon line, you know, and just go there and get the word of God. Bible study is so important. It is the most important thing besides scheduling time with the Lord, because anybody that you love, you're going to make time for. I love that. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much, Latoya, for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. It was absolutely wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing interview. I absolutely love how Latoya talked about how God had been calling her all this time, but how she never really paid attention to it and she was kind of resisting it, even though she felt God calling her. And the reason I love this because so many people think that if you resist God's calling you, he's just going to leave you alone. He's going to forget about you, and that's the end of it. But that is not how that works. And I know I was taught as a kid that if I didn't listen to God, eventually he would just stop talking to me. He would stop calling me. But that is not true. God will call us. He will keep pursuing us, and it's up to us to let him in. God's not going to leave us alone just because we don't want to be bothered with him. He is going to keep pursuing us, and we have a choice whether we're going to let God in or whether we're not going to let him in. But I want you to know and be encouraged that if you feel like God has been calling you and you've been pushing him away, know that God's not done with you. God is not finished with you. And that it just takes one yes to God to allow him to come into your life. He's there. He's watching you. He's protecting you. He's always there and he will always be with you. But in order to have a relationship with him, you have to say yes. So just know that any time is the right time to say yes, even if you feel like you've been pushing God away, just take some time today and just say yes and allow him to come into your life. Now, the song we're going to listen to this week is from our artist of the week, Patience, and we are going to listen to his single, Turbulence. So here is the song, Turbulence, by our artist of the week, Patience. The and every time I gotta feel this, I get closer to the feeling that we're about to go crash and burn. But maybe it's just a lens. But every time we fight, I think it's the end. I'm so scared to be hurt again. I've been hurt before, way before you. Back then I gave my trust, but it was left outside to rust. During winter cold summers when you sleep alone. Wishing that the one you long for would come home. Now that's long gone, and I'm here with you. And yes, it's true, you're paying the price for things you didn't do. When we met, you gave me hope, and now I'm blaming you. This seems like sabotage, abort is what I want to do. Feel like I'm falling, should I go and pull a parachute? Wait, this is not the end, we've experienced turbulence. Every time I gotta feel this, I get closer to the feeling that we're about to go crash and burn. But maybe it's just turbulence. Yeah. 
valley, wondering what's happening, why I'm bleeding badly, rolling up to Cali, cushion's not a comfort, cushion's not a cushion, out of options sadly, Jesus, Jesus, I really thought you had me, then I started slacking, I am losing tracking, life can be so taxing, holy God harassing, me and all my passions, praying and I'm fasting, but I am still falling off the wagon, I know, I know, I know that your love is everlasting, I know, I know, I know that this turbulence is acting as a magnet to attract me from this pain that I've been masking. And every time I gotta feel this, I get closer to the feeling that we're about to go crashing by. But maybe it's just turbulence, but I don't wanna Circling, just so undeserving when I'm moving so much nervousness. Temptation disturbs us when we get close to our purpose. And this enemy, he's so merciless. I won't go for this now. I won't give up. I won't give up. I keep praying. I'll keep praying. When she's fed up. Nah. And she keeps saying that it's over. It's over. And it's too late. It's not. All we need is a new slate. And this ride is bumpy. It's turbulent. Fortunate to know God in heaven. Riding with us, he abiding in us. Get us through this mess. There's a reason we said yes. Baby, I'll die to my flesh and give you my best. Every time I gotta feel this, I get closer to the feeling that we're about to go crashing by. But maybe it's just turbulence. Before I end the podcast, I would like to thank so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story about how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and to make sure you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I will also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact, with Patience, LaToya, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes. And all you have to do is click on the links below and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and let me know that you would like to be a guest. And I will make sure that I get in contact with you and schedule a day and time for you to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.